1: You're listening to Setting the Pace, your go-to Pacers podcast, with Alex Golden and Michael Fachi. Duarte, he knows where the clock is, lets it fly, and hits again! Beat him up. Brogdon goes inside, and
0: Turner finishes! Warren lets it fly, yes! T.J. Warren is not human! Are you not entertained?
1: Stevenson, Jackson the catch, Jackson the basket! Pacers got the steal. Outrunning is Brissett. Pounced it home. Washington again. Five of them. Go, go. Good job. to Taylor. Taylor missed it. Tips it in.
0: Oh, the Pacers, the Pacers clearly yeah. won this that trade. Probably, yeah. The Pacers clearly won this trade. Dropped it off to
1: Jalen Smith with the poster. Healed. Hotter than Fish Grease. Halliburton going to slam it at the other
2: end. Tyrese Helburn just got here in Indiana. Um, I'm super excited to meet you guys and super excited to get started here. Go Basers! Bada bing, bada boom, and just like that, we are back we are here for part two of the Mailbag podcast. Let's get right into it. This one comes from at l underscore peckbo. Matt Peck was our fan of the week two weeks ago. I want to thank him so much for sending this question in, Fachi. Let's go in a different direction. Uh, question wise today, each of you name your Mount Rushmore of pacer players. Then after you've named your players, each of you have to remove one of the other players you don't think deserves to be there. Time for setting the pace, mortal combat.
1: <laughs> First off, Matt, shout out to you. Appreciate you. Thanks for coming on the show a little while ago. Um, look, I, the one, the one, or, we're gonna have one or two, I think definitely in common. Number one, Reggie Miller, no disputing it. Um, the original three point king, Mr. Loyalty himself. All right, then moving over, y- you'd be out of your mind if, if I didn't put Jermaine O'Neill on there. My favorite player of all time, six time all star, most approved player, third overall in MVP voting, Chiz, three, Chiz, four. Then moving over there, you got, you got, I mean, even though I was not alive to watch him, I think you got to tip your hat to the ABA players. I'm going with Mel Daniels, um, the part of three championship teams in the ABA, Hall of Famer. I mean, just a ton of accolades over there. That fourth spot is up for grabs. You could go with Rick Smits. Uh, You could go with George McGinnis. It's between the two of them. I obviously did not get to watch George McGinnis play. So, you know, I I might lean Rick Smits, but I feel like that fourth spot is always going to be debatable.
2: All right. So who is your fourth guy? You going Smits? I'll go Smits. Okay. So for my four, I'm going Brad Wanamaker, Andrew Bynum, TJ Leaf, and Tyreek Evans
1: if only oh my god that list is disgusting <laughs>
2: that's my that's my like most hated <laughs> Mount mm-hmm. Rushmore. just kidding no i'm gonna go with reggie as well um you know everybody loved george mcginnis i think he was a, a big part of the reason why that those teams won all those championships uh roger brown was really good too it was like a trio roger uh, brown george mcginnis mel daniels and then um uh, there's a lot of other good players on there that i did not watch so i'm not really familiar but i'm gonna Go ahead and I'm going to go ahead and say Reggie Miller, George McGinnis, Mel Daniels, and Roger Brown because those are the retired jerseys um, and just make it easy that way. I think Slick Leonard's the other one. And am I, am I missing anybody else?
1: Uh, I, I don't believe so. Uh, I, all I want to know is that those that you named are retired. Anyone else is far before my time.
2: Okay. So we got to remove one off of each other's list. Um, I'm going to take Rick Smith's off yours.
1: That's fine. <laughs> um,
2: I thought about doing Jermaine just to mess with you. Um, for the actual Discord, the Mortal Kombat, but uh, you know, I think that Jermaine overall was a better player than Rick Smiths, without a doubt. So, yes. yes. Um, so we'll take off. Uh, we'll take off Rick Smiths on yours, and you got to take one off of mine.
1: I, I guess Roger Brown. I mean, look, I don't want to offend anyone, but you know, I, <laughs> I'm definitely keeping Mel Daniels on there. George McGinnis, you really can't go wrong with at all. And you know, if one of those guys has to go, I guess Roger Brown.
2: <laughs> all right, let's move on to the next question.
1: All right. So for this next question coming up, we have Garrett Bags over on Twitter. He said, if things work out with Jalen Smith and the team hopes to keep him, it looks like we can only resign him for the original contract amount. Kevin Pritchard stated we had some options. Any chance we resign him for the 4.7 million or do we think he's gone?
2: Yeah. And so Aaron M. like tagged on this question and was like, what are all the other Pacers options to keep Jalen Smith? So I'll just answer both of these right now if I just went on to like yep. go back to it. But so, yeah, this is great, Great question. Um, a lot of people have been asking about this. So Jalen Smith, his rookie, basically his option was declined by the Suns. And so when he was traded to the Pacers, the Pacers are in that same boat. They cannot sign him to a contract bigger than what he was making this year, which is 4.7 million. He will be an unrestricted free agent. So any other team can come out there and sign him for more money. Like if a team said, hey, we'll give you five, we can only offer him that 4.7. So that means you know, we're just going to get outbid money-wise. That's the only, you know, negative factor with this. It's kind of similar to the Solomon Hill situation where we declined his option, and then he signed that $11 million contract for four years with the Pelicans um, after he had that big series against the Raptors. So, punch the bullet there. Yeah, we definitely did. So, I will just say this, you know, Jalen Smith, they asked to be traded. Uh, his his agent asked that the, the Suns trade him to a team where he could get some opportunity. The Pacers clearly are going to have that availability for him as they're kind of in a tanking mode right now, trying to rebuild, trying to grow some of their young players. So the options here, they can re-sign him at $4.7 million for one year, and then after that year, maybe they can get him to a bigger contract, or they could do a sign-in trade if there's a team that wants to pay him about the same amount. They don't see him as a long-term fit here, or they just let him walk because at this point he's an unrestricted free agent, and they don't have, like I said earlier with Rubio, they don't have much control over what he can do.
1: Yeah, first off, I just love the fact that Jalen Smith played one game as a pacer, and now everyone is truly like, oh, my God, what are we going to do if he walks? But, look, that's the perfect, like, buy low, roll the dice on a player where there's really no risk and just needs a change of scenery. Um, I think if everything works out, $4.7 million for him would be great. Um, I think that he is a a guy that we mentioned, you know, needed that change of scenery. Um, Look, I'd rather have him over Goga, um, but at this point, look – yeah, it's funny how
2: much you've changed on your Goga oh,
1: stance. Oh, it's a, uh, by the week. I mean, look, Goga. Sometimes you give him minutes, like, hmm, okay. When I saw the Pacers playing fast, and I saw Goga literally looking like he was stuck in mud, I knew something's got to change. But look at this point: if the if Jalen Smith works out, and the Pacers are able to get a deal for four point seven million dollars, that'd be great. However, if they're able to work out a sign and trade. I mean, oh my God, did Kevin Pritchard and the front office kill this trade or what? Being able to save money on Tory Craig, getting a second round pick. And then if you turn Jalen Smith into anything in a sign in trade, man, we won on every level there.
2: Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. Let's move on to our next question. This comes from Jeff Q. We've kind of already hit on this in the last episode. So uh, we'll just touch on it real quick again. He said, Ivy is the fan favorite in the draft. Thoughts on his fit now in the potential three guard lineup of Halliburton, Ivy, and Duarte? He said, also, where do you put the trade value of Brogdon in the offseason? Where is the ceiling and where is the floor on a trade?
1: Uh, look, I would say Ivy is an absolute stud. Um, you know, I read the, the similar reports that, that you mentioned, I guess, from, from Chad Ford, basically saying, like, look, he could be the potential John Morant type, like going second overall. Um, that's beyond exciting. I think you have to take the best player available in there, and I think that Ivy has that upside. I'd love to see that, that combination of Ivy, Halberton, and Duarte that we talked about Um, then I would, man, when you talk about the trade value of Brogdon, uh, I don't think it could be high at this moment after that two year extension, he's owed about $70 million over the next three years for a guy that honestly should probably be bubble wrapped for the rest of the year. Um, the contract $22.5 million uh, per year, not horrendous by any means. But you need to find the right situation and probably also take back a contract of similar, if not worse, value for a different position.
2: Yeah, so for me on the first question, um, I'll just say I think Halliburton, Ivy, and Duarte, you make it work. You know, That's, that's what you do. You just figure it out. And if it doesn't work out, you move the guy that doesn't make sense. And if it's Duarte, then tough, you know. His first-round pick, you can probably get a lot for him if it's not working. So, um, look at what, well, look at what Halliburton got the Pacers, you know. I mean, it, I mean the Kings that got him to Sabonis, a bonus, a two-time All-Star. So, you, you never know. But, I mean, you just got to make it work. And if it doesn't, then you figure it out later. But uh, with with Brogdon, I'm not as negative about the contract extension that he got. I understand fans don't like it. I understand, oh, it's a lot of money. But, really, $22 million in today's NBA is a pretty low contract. It's a middle contract. It's It's not a high one. Like, Westbrook's making 40-plus. No, i'd God. rather i'd rather have brogdon at 22 than westbrook at 44 he's making right like, so i think
1: it's like 47 or <laughs> it make 45 whatever it is it's double
2: yeah and it's going up higher i think next year too so with that being said i mean jimmy butler is probably gonna make close to 50 at some point know, too
1: that's gonna be oof.
2: yeah so i mean honestly i think brogdon getting the extension at the same salary is actually great for the pacers in terms of moving him because teams want to trade for players that are on contracts longer than an expiring expiring contracts are nice if you want cap space, but look at the free agent market this year. It's not great. Uh, you know, Bradley Beal is a, the big name everybody wants, but it's going to be more about sign and trade because he still has one year left. Yep. He's just extension eligible. So he's technically not a free agent this year. You know, It's uh, it's definitely not a great free agency class over the next couple of years. So this was a perfect action for the Pacers to get him. I, I think if you can get Brogdon on the floor, show that he's able to show that he's healthy, You know, kind of similar to Turner, just make sure that they're healthy, um, you can basically say, well, we just held him out because we we're trying to tank, whatever. You can kind of skew it however you want. But I think Brogdon, uh, I think a lot of teams will be interested in him because of what he can do when he's healthy. And preferably if he's on a different team and not being asked to do as much, then there's a possibility that he doesn't get as hurt with the overusage. But um, with that said, I just think the ceiling on this is, you know, I don't really know what you mean by ceiling, but I, I think that you're probably looking at like the 50 to 60 percent chance that he gets traded at this point
1: yeah i'd say so and when you say like the, this the the ceiling i mean whatever it is the floor I, we're, we're not coming out on top in any time that we trade broad and i don't think it's <laughs> going to be like oh my god we got this guy for him no we we it would be more of being able to kind of get him off the books and clear up that point guard you know situation the guard the guard, the backcourt um yeah. i would say next question we got uh stefan wheeler it's a three-parter uh no, part three-part. one. Oh yeah Part one, when Brogdon returns, does he start? And if so, who out of Duarte and Heald move to the bench? What do you got?
2: Brogdon starts, Duarte to the three, Heald to the bench.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with you there. Look, I do not want to see Duarte go back to the bench and Brogdon's never come off the bench for the Pacers. I, I just feel like it would there would be some drama on our hands if he did go to the bench. Uh, question number two. Uh, with the cap space created, is there a young small forward or four in free agency that we should target?
2: Miles Bridges.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. He's Miles. a restricted free
2: agent. We got $26 million. I would, If I'm the Pacers, I'm offering him the highest contract I can offer him to make the Hornets match it to not give them as much flexibility moving forward. And, and look, um, we know how much Turner has been coveted by the Hornets look. I think Bridges actually fits the Pacers' timeline very well. Of I'm not course. saying that he will be moved for any reason, but let's just say they're like, you know what, we've already got a ton of money invested in Gordon Hayward. Uh, we really need a center, and we have P.J. Washington here still on a rookie contract. Maybe we let Bridges go in a sign-and-trade for Turner. I mean, there's a possibility that could work, but the Pacers having all that extra cap space. I know they don't love to do restricted free agency stuff. We saw them give up a first-round pick for Brogdon. Um, hopefully uh, hopefully Herb Simon's okay with shaking that off and just, you know, changing things. It seems like he's a little bit more adaptive to different things now. So that for me is the guy that I wanted um, with this draft. And like I said earlier, Lou Dort, if for some reason, you know, OKC says, hey, we're not going to pick up your team option or the team option on you, then go after him. But uh, other than that, that's about the only two I can really see right now.
1: Yeah, look, Bridges would be just an absolute dream. Uh, I don't I don't want anyone to hold their breath or, or get their, their hopes Yeah, up. I'm not holding um, my breath. <laughs> yeah, definitely don't. It might pass out. Um, but look, <laughs> when, it, when it comes to looking at uh, a young small forward or four, I went through the list. Kyle Anderson is really the only name that like could happen. Like it's not a home run pick. He's a good player. Then he looked at it. Hey, Jalen Smith plays the four. <laughs> you know, we got to see if we can resign him. But other than that, look, like the, there's really not that many names out there to roll the dice on like. I don't even want to waste my breath on, like, a Kevin Knox because I don't think there's anything there. Um, but when you're looking for that young, small forward, power forward type, like, it, it, it's it's a pretty bare-bone list. Um, so, you know, a, a lot needs to be wait to, to be determined. But question number three, with Mitchell Robinson's contract expiring, any chance we can trade Goga for Cam Reddish?
2: I, I mean, I don't know if Goga would really make Tom Thibodeau very happy either. So. No. I, I don't know if uh, I don't know if Reddish really fits with what Carlisle would want in a player. Um, you know, is we like the idea of him. The Pacers had interest in him, so sure we'll throw that out there. But um, that that too to me could be another play where you look at maybe trading the King or the Knicks, excuse me, one of those picks that you have, or potentially both if you really like Reddish. But um, I'm just I'm just not sold on the Pacers giving up Goga for for Reddish and and the Knicks being okay with it.
1: Yeah, there's literally no chance this happens. I feel like Cam Reddish, like while the Knicks might not want him, I think it's like a a brand new pair of shoes that might not fit. And then someone says, well, I'll take them off your hands for free. It's like, all right, no, look, I'm not trying to get rid of them. Like Cam Reddish, they'll, they'll try and make it work or they'll flip him for something else. But Goga will not be that. Unfortunately, I would love that. Look, for for Mitchell Robinson, uh, being a second round pick, I think he probably cashes into the highest bidder. So maybe he is gone, but I don't think Goga's the guy they're lining up for.
2: Yeah, no, absolutely not. And I do want to uh, make a correction because I think I said that Bradley Beals has one more year. I believe it's a player option. It is so he could opt out. I'm not he doesn't, you know, it's not a team option, but it is a player option. A lot of people don't expect him to opt out of it, but they don't expect him to sign an extension. So excuse me on that, I misspoke. By saying that he had one more year left on his deal, um, it's it's a it's an option. It's not a guarantee that he stays here. So I wanted
0: to clarify that before we move on. But we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast.
2: Call, click
0: Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Uh,
2: Alex Grandstaff said Can Tyrese and Duarte become what Dame and CJ were supposed to be?
1: Look, I would love that. If that's the case, then look, that duo went to a Western Conference finals together. Dame is an MVP candidate, CJ is a hair under an all star. Um, I could see the comparison of CJ McCollum and Chris Duarte. Like I, I could I could see that there. Um, but Dame is just such a special player that it's hard to put that pressure on Tyrese Halbert. so, you know, look, if they could even be like 80% of that duo, that would be amazing.
2: Yeah, I think this is a great question. And I think for me, Fachi personally, I would say Offensively, I don't think they'll ever be as good as CJ anymore. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But defensively, they have the potential to be much better because Dame and CJ were poor, poor, poor defenders. Um, there was times when they could sit down and play a little defense, but most of the time, that was not their strong suit. So to me, it's like you know what I love Dame Lillard and what he can do offensively. CJ McCollum can you know put twenty five any night that he's a solo guy. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't want to put that on them. But, I mean, Halliburton's got the potential to be, you know, uh, you know, probably just a notch below Dame Willard offensively if he continues to grow as a player. But um, I just think defensively you're looking at two guys that are a little bit more stable in that situation. And so that is why I'm more intrigued by that.
1: Yeah, the one thing I'll say is I feel like Dame is a much more aggressive scorer than Halliburton is or will mm-hmm. become.
2: Yeah, and probably smarter. I think yeah. Halliburton's oh. still got a long ways to go. Oh yeah. Um, I know Caitlin Cooper and uh, Nikias Duncan were pointing some things out about about Halliburton's game, and I think that was really interesting stuff. So if you haven't listened to that or checked that out on their podcast or their articles, do that. Um, but but just pointing out some of the things he could work on to improve his overall game. But I mean, I think you're looking at a multi-time All Star here with uh, Tyrese Halliburton in the future, which CJ McCollum has never been an All Star. So I Very think he's true. definitely going to be better than McCollum. I don't know if he'll be able to reach top 10 level player like Dame Dame Lillard is.
1: No, no very true. I mean, that is an MVP candidate. Uh, moving over to the next question, we have Corey Norris. If the Pacers get lucky and get the second pick in the draft and Chet is off the board, who would you want the Pacers to pick?
2: Man, this is tough. Um, I, I have Jabari Smith as my number one overall pick right now, I think, with the Pacers not having a power forward. that To me, besides O'Shea Brissett and uh, potentially T.J. Warren, I just think he might have the most upside in, in terms of – that position and what he can be. But, you know, at the same time, it's a guard driven league and I really like Jaden Ivey. So um, I'd have to do a lot of uh, due diligence and see which one makes the most sense. But I think I would lean Jabari Smith here at number two, uh, Jaden Ivey at three, but that's, uh, but that's a very close one.
1: Very torn here. Look, if you're going to go need, yes, the Pacers do have a need at power forward where Jabari Smith can fill it. Uh, I definitely have been watching more Jabari Smith because Auburn and being like you know, they were just a top-ranked team. Those games I'm seeing on TV a lot and a little bit of inconsistency, inconsistencies. He showed some great flashes. There's other times where I've seen him with like you know nine points or so. Jaden Ivy, I feel like can have maybe a bigger impact on the overall team. Really good shooter. It'd be hard to pass him up, even though the Pacers do have a good backcourt situation over here. So I might lean Ivy if the Pacers went with a need and they go with Jabari Smith, look, you're obviously, you're doing your team, you know, a really good service over there filling it out. So either position would be a great spot to be in. I might lean Ivy.
2: Yeah. I'll just say this real quick with Jabari Smith. It's not even about position and need why I would pick him. I just, I have a number one on my big board right now. Um, I just, I just like the athleticism from him. I think he fills a position of need, but it's not why I would draft him if that makes sense.
1: Okay. Yeah, it does.
2: Okay. So let's move on. Brian Hardwick said, Do you think any of the players resented Lance coming back to the team and getting the love he does from
1: the fans? Absolutely not. Uh, look, I mean, <laughs> I just feel like Domas and Miles played with them in the past. They seemed to enjoy it, they seemed happy. Honestly, Gamebridge feels. Literally needed it. That place was like a cemetery at one point. So uh, the bench would, was <laughs> actually dancing at one point, you know, like when Lance came back, like it pumped life into the crowd, it pumped, like life into the, the players. I feel like for a little bit, they were having a lot more fun and anyone that, that was going to resent that would just have to be a hater.
2: Yeah. I mean, look, Lance made some mistakes as a young man. Um, There's no doubt about it. There's obviously stuff out there. We don't have to get into it, but I think overall Lance is a good dude. Um, I I think that Lance has been a positive for this Pacers, you know, team. I think that's why he got extended for the rest of the season, Uh, kept on it or whatever you want to call it. I mean, it was an as a hardship exception, why he was here to start with and then multiple 10 day contracts and then finally outlasted. So he couldn't get traded obviously because of the being signed so late in the season, but you know, I just think that he brought this team life when they didn't have any. So you uh, if you're mad about that, then that needs to be addressed. And that's probably why some of those players removed it. They were mad about it. But I don't think anybody was mad. Everybody seemed incredibly happy uh, that he just gave them a jolt of energy that they didn't have for the longest time.
1: That's definitely what it felt like. Um, so you want to – I think it might be our last question. It's our
2: last question, Fauci. Walter Lambert, you got it or am I reading it? You're up. All right. Am I the only one that sees it – Is painfully obvious that Goga cannot keep up with the speed this team will play with now. I like Goga, but he doesn't fit a quick athletic team.
1: Uh, No, you're not alone. Goga was truly like the Statue of Liberty out there. I mean, literally just, that man was just stuck on the court against Cleveland. So they need to make a decision on him by the end of the season. Uh, Otherwise it truly feels like he could end up just rotting on the bench next year.
2: <laughs> Fachi, this is this is the third analogy you've given for Goga. You called him <laughs> a dinosaur stuck in the mud and a statue. So yep. um, nothing, changed, nothing endorsing here for Goga Batadze. But you know, I laughed because KP was like going through his like list of the young core that he really likes in his presser, and he was like, "You got Tyrese, you got Chris, you got Jackson." Then he goes long pause goga
1: it's like yeah
2: you know i just started laughing he might have said goga before he said jackson but it was a huge pause in between is like he was trying to think of all the young players on his roster to list because when when presidents speak they just talk about all their players on their current roster they don't even think about like what they're going to do with them in the future because they'd never want to like deteriorate their value but i mean if you listen to what rick carlisle said Pat one's like you know you guys are playing much faster up tempo pace is that what you plan on doing moving forward with this team and rick carlisle was very short and sweet he said yes Move on to the next question. Uh, yeah, Goga does not fit this team. If Goga was someone that fit, I, I think you would have seen him in at the end of the game, but instead it was Tristan Thompson. It was not a tank job, trust me. It's just because Tristan Thompson is a better fit for this roster than Goga Batadze himself. So look, um, I've heard some rumblings about how uh, maybe the, the the coaching staff isn't in love with Goga and uh, where he's at in year three. So we'll see moving forward what they do with him. But, uh, but yeah, I just feel like Goga, He's a guy that, um, you know, he could use a fresh start somewhere else. And, uh, you know, I don't know what team that is, but it's definitely not a fast pace offense like this Indiana Pacers team with Tyrese Halliburton.
1: No, it's really not. I, I really don't know where uh, he'll go. I mean, maybe, like, you know, maybe OKC could give him a good shot or give him some run. I don't know. But I just – yeah, I just hope he can find a way on the court consistently um, because I do think there's there could be more to offer. But, you know, on this team right now with the style we're looking to play, I just don't think it fits him.
2: Yeah, I mean, slow pace, I guess it would kind of make sense for the Knicks. Um, so that's why I think maybe that, that Cam Reddish for Goga comment. Maybe 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 uh Tom Thibodeau is interested by that, but I don't think he would be. I think, you know, uh, it's just – where any team is willing to give him a chance, I think that that'd be the best place to go. I mean, I think Charlotte would be an intriguing team for him to go to on a, on a flyer, just just to give him a chance because they don't have any defensive presence on their on their center position. So that, that is something Goga is good at. He's a good rim protector. But uh, all right, foxy that is the end of our mailbag. Uh, maybe next week we'll get it on Reddit, but we didn't get a chance to put him on Reddit because we already had so many questions. So uh, anything else you want to say before we sign off?
1: I would just say shout out to the listeners. You guys are truly the best. I mean, like it, it has made talking about the Pacers so much more fun hearing from you guys, the interactions on, on social media. It's been great. I love talking Pacer basketball with you guys. And it's just such a better place when there's like hope in the air. I mean, these trades, I feel like Pacer fans are back and it, it's it's been a lot of fun and we just really appreciate you guys.
2: Yeah, as we're signing off, it is 27-19. The Pacers are eight points ahead of the Minnesota Timberwolves in the first quarter. O'Shea Brissett is on fire once again, 11 points, three or four from three, four or six from the field. Gogo Batadze, we've been talking about him. Two or three, Fachi for five points. But uh, the, the big thing here, Tyrese Halliburton has five assists already in the first quarter. So um, zero
1: turnovers, zero Love turnovers.
2: Yep. Yeah, so uh, we will recap the rest of that game probably on Tuesday. We might get uh, Zach Noble or somebody like that that covers the, the Timberwolves and covers the NBA for balla's Life to, to come on and talk about the Pacers' moves and what he thought about their game uh, against Minnesota. But Flachi, where can people find us at on social
1: media? All right, so you can find us on Twitter at Setting the Pace Three. You can find Alex on Twitter at Alex Golden NBA. I can be found on Twitter at underscore F-A-C-C-I. You can find us on Instagram at Pacers Talk. You can find us on Facebook at Setting the Pace. And you can find us on TikTok at Setting the Pace.
2: And if you're excited to land a top five draft pick in this year's draft, then say these three words.
1: Let's go Pacers!